The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, there are many people out there talking about abundance. They say the big amorphous they say that if you think only positive thoughts and feel only positive emotions, if you build the right kind of vision board, you will find yourself gifted with all your dreams come true. Not only is that a bargain with the universe, which we'll talk about, but that method puts us into the future instead of in the now when we have many other teachers telling us that we need to stay in the now. So how do we stay present and yet achieve our life goals? Well, today we're going to talk about what that what really does belong to us and how it is that we can access it. So you want to be here for the whole show today. So let's talk a little bit about this whole theory. Uh, it's put out there by The Secret, uh, Rhonda Burns' book, The Secret, and 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 her new uh, um, renditions editions of that, and also by uh, Jerry and. Um, um, well, I can't remember his name right now, but he also wrote, he and his wife also wrote a lot of books about the law of attraction, and Jerry and Esther Hicks, sorry, and um, they wrote the books about the law of attraction back in the late 80s, and they began to take off, and people began to really go, wow, I could just have everything I want, all I have to do is think really positive thoughts. That became harder than people thought it was going to be, because I worked with a lot of clients who, over the years, said to me that... Um, you know, this is really hard to keep your thoughts always positive. And thoughts are really interesting because they are um, just a stream of sort of consciousness where, we, where things go in and out and out and in. And, and, uh, and it's really hard to get hold of those things and control them. And that's what we were being asked to do. We were being told that if we could only control our thoughts, then we would have everything we wanted. The question to be asked there is, who is the we that is controlling the thoughts? Who is the I that is controlling my thoughts? Is it the I that is all caught up in an identity that um, feels like superwoman or feels like a scapegoat or feels like a victim or feels like a um, perpetual child? Who, who is that I that's trying to run my thoughts? That's a really important question because that's that, that whole idea is that if I whatever that I is, can grab hold of my thoughts and control them and make them positive, then I can have everything I want. So I have to know, it seems to me, who I am in order to let that I have control, complete control, by the way, over my thoughts. I literally heard people saying things like, over the years, erase, erase, when they had a thought that they thought was a negative, quote-unquote, negative thought. 
uh, our thoughts are like dreams. They just pop up and they come floating through and they can give us information about what's going on in our psyche, but they're not meant to be controlled, especially they're not meant to be controlled by an identity. So uh, if anything is to control our thoughts, it should be the authentic self, not an identity, a role, a mask and costume that we've worn since infancy and didn't even know we were wearing. So that piece is really, really important to this whole drama that we've had about the law of attraction, the argument about whether or not the secret is valid, etc., etc. It can't be valid if an identity is running it. So let me just say that like it is. Um, Secondly, uh, another thing that's really important is that this is a bargain with the universe. So a bargain says, if I, then you'll. And if you've listened to my show, you know that this bargaining thing is a big old deal. Uh, we spend a lot of our times in life and our lives uh, bargaining over things. So uh, if, for example, I had a, an alcoholic mother or an alcoholic father and I didn't feel very loved by them, then what may happen is that I may get attracted to people I think I have to fix or people who are alcoholics or people who can't love the way I need to be loved. Um, and I'm doing that in order to try to get myself to understand that the problem never was me. It wasn't my fault that my parents couldn't love the way I needed them to. That was their problem. I just happened to be impacted by it. That's all. So when we get that, when we really get it, oh, well, this is not me, well, then the bargaining stops. Because what we've been bargaining with is if I can just figure out what I did wrong and get whoever is my current alcoholic that I'm in love with to love me, then everything will be good and I will have finally solved the problem because I think the problem is me. The problem isn't me. The problem never was me, but I thought it was because I was a child when it happened and children tend to do that. So uh, that's, a, that's one of the lifelong bargains that we can make. Uh, we can, I can go to the store and hand somebody a $5 bill and they'll give me a loaf of bread and some change. That, that is a bargain. And those kind of bargains are normal and real and good. But the bargains we make in our head with the universe are not so normal, real, or healthy, healthy especially if they're not effective. So uh, a bargain says, if I can only make myself be positive all the time, then the universe will give me what I want. Well, back in the good old days, ancient Greece and Rome and Egypt and all of that, people used to make sacrifices to the gods for the same reasons. If I make this sacrifice to my God, then that God will not let my ship be becalmed when I go across the ocean, or my, the gods will make me allow me to win the war, or I will get a good crop, or my, my uh, horses will fold, or, you know, those kinds of things. So uh, what we hoped was that we could sort of rub the rab- rabbit's foot, and then we would be able to have what we wanted. It was kind of like a good luck charm. And when, when it happened, when I make the sacrifice and it turns out that actually my ship did not become becalmed as I drifted across the ocean, I made the connection that, oh, the gods were good to me. Um, and because I made the sacrifice, the gods were good to me. So we started connecting those dots that didn't really necessarily belong connected. Who knows uh, whether the gods had something to do with that or not. But... 
but we don't ever know because we were connecting dots. When it didn't happen, we connected the same dots. We still said, oh, well, maybe I did something else wrong that kept the gods from giving me what I wanted. And that's a little bit like what we're doing today with the law of attraction. We're bargaining with the universe and saying, well, if I can think positive thoughts and keep my emotions high and positive and in a state of bliss all the time and, and do my vision board really well and keep my mind uh, constantly uh, alert for the possibility that I am going to have everything I want, then I will have it. And if I do happen to get it, I'll say, well, it was the law of attraction that gave it to me. And if I don't get it, I'll say, well, I must have done something wrong trying to get the law of attraction to give it to me. It works the same exact way. And it isn't rational. Not that everything has to be, but it's not rational. It doesn't uh, work in terms of its effectiveness for a person's psychology. I've worked with many people over the years who were damaged by trying to work with the law of attraction. They were trying very, very hard to keep their thoughts always positive and, what they were, and all their emotions always positive. And what they were ending up doing was repressing all those so-called negative thoughts and negative emotions. And, and so, we, so what, they, what, what they did was get themselves into a state of depression or heightened anxiety because they were trying really hard to repress everything negative, what they called negative in their life. Okay, here's a third problem with the, problem, with the law of attraction. Who gets to say what's positive and what's negative? Who, 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 who decided that? You know, is, is it positive to always say, I'm in constant joy. I am always having what I want. I have everything I want and need at all times. Is that really positive? Or is that a lie we're telling ourselves that none of us really believe in the first place? We call those affirmations, and there's nothing wrong with affirmations. But really, if we don't believe it, then that's what we need to be working with. We need to be working with our own disbelief. We need to be able to sit with that disbelief and find out what it's about. Okay, so everybody here knows the old adage that the teacher teaches what she must, le- must most learn. Well, here I am, teaching what I must most learn and writing books about what I must most learn. So several years ago, I wrote a book called The Law of Attraction, the Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. You can find that book on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or any of the other websites that you might choose to go to. Um, and what it talks about is, is the fact that the law of attraction is a, a misunderstanding of how the universe works. At least the law of attraction as we came to understand it, uh, as we were taught by Esther and Jerry Hicks and by um, Rhonda Byrne in The Secret doesn't work that way. Um, in fact, our sacred texts don't say that it works that way. Um, in, in its real life experience, it doesn't work that way. Yes, there are people out there who will say the law of attraction got me what I wanted. But you will find way more people out there who will say, no, the law of attraction did not get me what I wanted. I'm still bargaining. I'm still affirming. I'm still trying to stay positive. But so far, nothing. And how many years has it been? Let's don't think about that. That's a negative thought. Okay, so there's a lot of magical thinking that goes into this whole concept of what we've been taught the law of attraction is. In the book, The Law of Attraction, the soul's answer to why it isn't working and how it can, what is stated in there is that there actually is a law of attraction, but it doesn't work anything like what they've said it works like. Um, 
it actually means that we are attracted, we are attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that will bring us to the wholeness of who we are as divine beings. Um, so th- that is what the law of attraction is really all about. We, our souls, our deepest essence, the authentic self within each of us is attracted to those things that will bring us to full awareness of that authentic self, of that soul. And that can happen lifetime after lifetime. So in each lifetime, what happens is the soul does get that thing in that life that it came to get. It may not get everything in that life. It may not evolve completely in that life. It may not get off the samsara wheel in that life. But at some point, but it does get exactly what it came here to get in that life. I remember the wonderful little story and adage that I heard uh, a Buddhist story about two monks who were um, standing beside the gates to uh, nirvana, to heaven. And they uh, were looking out at this person who was had just died and he was coming to come up to, to heaven past uh, to get off the samsara wheel and come into heaven and he they look one of them looks at him and he says you know what he's got a lot of lives left to live man look at him he was a drunk all the way through this life he's got a lot of work yet to do before he can you know really stay here he won't, he's gonna have to reincarnate again because he can't stay here in that condition the other monk says you know no no, that's not what happened. Uh, he's he, he's here. He's completed his cycle. He no longer has to reincarnate because he just needed one more thing and he got it in this life. And the other monk says, well, what did he need? He was a drunk the whole time he was alive. He said he needed humility and he got that in this life. So you never know. You never know what it is that the soul is after, but it will get it. In each incarnation, we will get what we came here to get. Why? Because the identity, that thing we call the I, the I am, is not really who we are. Who we are is the soul. And it is way powerful to get exactly what it came here to get. And it may do it through alcoholism. It may do it through all kinds of means, but it will get what it came here to get. So when we're thinking about, uh, you know, our mission and our purpose and, and, and this whole thing about whether or not we will attain to our life's goals, we need to be thinking about what are the soul's goals? What does the soul really want from me? Not to what, how much money do I want to put in the bank? How much, you know, effort am I going to have to make and how, how many ways I'm going to have to be positive and keep my mind on positive things and look at my vision board every night and keep up with that all the time. And, you know, what am I going to have to do to get what I want? Nothing. The soul is already going to do it. The soul is already going to accomplish what it came here to accomplish. And we might say, well, can I add to that? Could I not also have riches and wealth? Well, if that's going to get what the soul wants to give to you, yeah, that, that's one way to do it, for sure. All right, so we're going to talk about this some more right after the break. We're going to talk about what some of the sacred texts say about it. We're going to talk about um, this whole process of having what is actually ours. And we are going to talk about what is actually ours. So you want to be here for that. 
We'll be right back after the break. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We are all searching for a deeper meaning in life. The possibility exists to create our life from the perspective of our true divine nature, where the experience of joy, love, abundance, freedom, and peace is our birthright. On the Inner Frontier, host Darlene Green presents a new topic every week with a high-frequency conversation to support a gentle revealing of the divine that is unique to you. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Inner Frontier. Tune in every week for Blooming in the Light. Host Marie Helen Turenne will take you on a journey of personal growth and happiness. By using her experiences and those of her guests, she shows you that challenges in your life are really blessings in disguise. Whether you're facing adversion in parenting, education, spirituality, or other life experiences, we're here to show you a broader and lighter side. Blooming in the Light can be heard every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers, but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and peace, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. What's most important in AHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey 
to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And today we're talking about what I titled this show as a full cup. Because that is the truth about our lives. Our cups are always full. Now, I know that right then when I said that, there was a lot of imagination going to all the starving children in the world. And they're out there. They absolutely are out there. And can I explain that to you? Can I make that rational? Can I say, well, this is what God or the gods or the universe is trying to do? No, I can't. What I can say is that we always have a full cup. And do our governments always allow us to have that full cup? Do, do people always believe it's possible for them to have that full cup? No. And we don't always live in the soul's reality. We don't always live in the soul's reality. We live in the reality that is put forth to us by the identity that we have put on, the mask and costume we've been wearing since we were infants and we looked into our parents' eyes and tried to become what we thought they wanted us to be rather than becoming who we were. Our parents very rarely asked, uh, asked with their eyes, their body language, their whatever, who, do, who are you? They didn't say, who are you? They said, here's what I need you to be. And that's what we became in whatever form that was. And ha- the more dysfunctional the family, the parenting, the more dysfunctional the role we've played. So we've put on identities that don't really match who we are as a soul, as an authentic self. And so we live out of that identity instead of out of the soul. But the soul knows that the cup is always full. So uh, Psalm 23, I've been doing some analysis of that psalm over the past month or so, looking at the root language, trying to see what it really means. And the first thing that comes to mind is when it said, I don't know whether you're familiar with that psalm or not. Now, this, this is taken from the Christian Bible, and I'm going to quote from other um, religions as well. But this is taken from the Christian Bible. Uh, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what it says in the King James Version. What it says in the original language is, uh, you know, there's a passage in there that says, my cup overflows. I think I left that out, actually, when I, when I was trying to quote from memory there. Um, but it says, my cup overflows. But actually, that's not what it says. It says, my cup is full, completely full. And I like that better because overflowing, you know, sounds like something that's hard to, to believe. It's hard for me to believe anyway. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to believe that my cup could overflow. Maybe that's one of my challenges. But, it, but, it, but it, what, 
what I do believe is that my cup is full. It's always full. The problem is I can't access it if I'm living out of something other than my soul. Another thing that's really important there is the word, the Lord, the words, the Lord. Charles Fillmore wrote um, a dictionary, a metaphysical Bible dictionary. And he says that every time we see the word, the, the word Lord in the, in the Old Testament or the New Testament, that we should change that to I am. Because that's what it literally means. And I agree with him. So really what the passage is saying is I am my shepherd. That changes things entirely. For the I am is the soul. The I am is the soul. So if I want my cup to be completely full, I need to let the I am of my soul be my shepherd. Okay, so that's, that's one. There's another, Psalm 50.10, where it says, The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. So not only is that cup full all the time, but the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Now, that's supposed to be God speaking, in the Hebrew God speaking. And uh, what he's saying is, you know, if you, you, if you try to give me something, it really doesn't make any difference because I already own everything. Well, if we take that same passage and change it to I am, instead of God, we take it to I am, change it to I am, then the I am this, of the soul already owns everything. It already owns everything. So we don't need to attract. It's already ours. It already belongs to us. We don't need to wait for the universe to bring it to us. It already belongs to us. It already belongs to the soul. Why? Because the cup is always full. One of the things that... uh, that uh, the, the Buddha said is to live a pure, unselfish life, one must count nothing as one's own in the midst of abundance. I think that's a real interesting uh, translation there because what it's saying is we can't count it to be ours because it belongs to all of us. If the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are also yours because your soul and my soul are one. We're the same thing. We may not. We may have a unique manifestation in terms of our earth under uh, our spirit, earth experience, but we are one as a soul. So, in order for me to live the life, the Buddha nature, I have to count it all as one. So I'm one with everything, and that's how I walk into the midst of abundance. I'm one with everything. So I am abundant. So instead of thinking of it in terms of attracting something that isn't ours, that we have to make ours by being good and thinking always positive thoughts and feeling always positive feelings and working that vision board all the time, instead of thinking of it that way, we could just relax into the stillness of the soul and just receive what is already ours. We don't have to do We don't have to attract. We don't have to push. We don't have to strain. We don't have to strive. In fact, there's a passage in the uh, uh, the Old Testament of the uh, Jewish Tanakh, Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh, that says, cease striving. 
and know that I am God. And I think that means cease striving to know that I am a divine being. So when I cease striving, what happens is I make contact with the soul who already has everything, whose cup is already completely full. Rumi says, the prophets accept all agony and trust it, for the water has never feared the fire. And we're going to spend a few minutes on that one, because I really love that passage. Uh, We tend to think that we should never have to feel any pain. And by pain, I don't necessarily mean suffering, because suffering is in part an attitude. Uh, These prophets who accept all the agony and trust it are not suffering. They're accepting the agony and trusting it. They're not suffering with it. So when I talk about suffering, what, what I tend to mean is that we have not yet re- accepted and trusted that agony. We have not yet said to ourselves, oh, this is a part of my experience of living that is going to give me another gift, a gift of a different kind. Maybe the greatest gift that I've had in my whole life. One of the greatest gifts I ever had in my whole life was given to me by this really a psychopathic boss who was doing all kinds of unethical and illegal things and uh, was asking me to do the same. And, of course, I was refusing to do those things. And it took a lot of courage for me to stand up to him and 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 stand up up over a two-year period of time when I was also sending out resumes by the week in every city of the nation not getting a nibble, not getting a nibble from any of these other places that I was sending resumes to and thinking, what in the world is going on? Here I am in this place. I want to get out of this hell. Please, please, please let me out of this place. Um, And ultimately what happened is because I had to be the one to stand up because I was second in command, I had to be the one to stand up to him over and over again. I learned how to stand up. Prior to that, I'd worked around. I was shy. I was, if y'all know, you can't believe that, but I was shy. I was uh, very timid about asserting myself. I could be passive-aggressive because I was timid about asserting myself. Um, when I needed to get something done and didn't want him to find out about it, I just did it without his knowing it so that he wouldn't tell me that I was uh, what I was doing was ethical and what he wanted me to do was unethical, so I snuck around to do the ethical thing. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, ultimately what happened is I came out of that nightmare, a totally new person. I am grateful to that man today because he forced me to have to stand up to him, forced me to have to grow into the person I am today. And so these life experiences that are just so awful, uh, can be really amazing teachers, sorrow has such a rich, rich, deep, profound gift to give us if we allow ourselves to walk through that agony and trust it. It will carry us to a new place in our lives and a deeper place where life is much more meaningful and we're much more in touch with the realness, the flavor, the touch, the nuance, the beauty of life. We're much more in touch with it because we've had sorrow than we would be if we never had sorrow. So the prophets, according to Rumi, the prophets accept all agony and trust it. Why? This is the most interesting part. 
for the water has never feared the fire. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. The water is one substance. The fire is another. Fire usually can't exist beside water. Now, if there's oil on top of the water, then yes. That adds a third ingredient, so we're not going to be talking about that. We're just talking about water and fire. Water has no need to be afraid of fire. Why? Because water is water. and Water puts out fire. So it is our essence. What they're trying to say there, metaphorically, is it is our essence that gets us through the fire. The prophets accept all agony and trust it because their essence can walk them right through this fire and they won't be burned. That's the beautiful thing about what Rumi said. Rumi was a, a, a Persian uh, Muslim who was a great poet of his time and as still a great poet of today. Um, and that, that passage is so full of the same thing that's being said in Psalm 23 in the, in the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh, that I am is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. That's exactly the same thing that Rumi is saying. So uh, when, when we really understand that, uh, who, that the essence of who we are is the soul, and the soul will accomplish what it came here to do in this lifetime, then all we have to do is be present with the soul. Be present in the right now experience of life as a soul. That's all we have to do. That is our abundance. And here's what Rumi said about that. Why are you so enchanted by this world when a mine of gold lies within you? Now that word is mine, M-I-N-E, not M-I-N-D. When a mine of gold lies within you. So we don't, we don't have to control our thoughts. We don't have to control our emotions. We don't have to have a vision board. We just need to be present with the gold mine that is within us. We have a gold mine within us right here. All of our treasure is inside of us. But we keep looking around outside for it. And that's what Rumi's trying to say. Why are you so enchanted by this world when a mine of gold lies within you? You already have everything you want. Look inside. There it is. And I'm reminded of that story that uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes told on this very show. It's also in her book, but she told it on this show a couple of years back. Uh, uh, She said there was a man who had three sons, and I'm not going to tell it as beautifully as she does, but um, there was a man who had three sons, and uh, he took them off on top of the, to this mountaintop, and he said, I'm going to give you some money, and I want you to go off and find your treasure. So he gave money to the first son, and he went off to the east. And he gave money to the second son, and he went off to the west. And he gave money to the third son, and the third son stood there. And the father walks around him for a while looking, and the, the boy's just standing there, just standing there. And uh, so... The father says, what are you doing? What are you doing? They just go. What are you waiting for? Go. I've given you your money. Go. The boy just stands there. Eventually, the father goes back home, and the boy's just still standing there. He's thinking. He's plotting what he will do to get his treasure. Eventually, what he does is he starts digging down between his own feet. And he digs, and he digs, and he digs, and he digs, until finally he finds the treasure. There's a big treasure chest down there full of jewels and money. And, of course, he pulls it up and lives off the rest of that money and jewels the rest of his life. 
Of course, the moral of the story is it's right here. You don't have to go looking for it. It's already right here. It's within you. It's beneath you. It's around you. It is your auric field. It is your soul. It is the mine of gold within you. So uh, when we're talking about whether or not we can actually have abundance, what we've gathered so far, and there's a few more verses to come in the next section, uh, what we've gathered so far is that everything that we want already belongs to us. The reason we don't know it yet is because we're not living in the soul or the authentic self. We're living in an identity that tells us something very different from what the soul wants to tell us, what the authentic self wants to tell us. When we live in that water that never fears the fire, then there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. I'm challenged by this just like you are. But I am saying that when we can do it, we know the truth. The truth is that we already have it all. So we're going to talk some more about how to access that truth right after the break. Stay tuned for more right after this. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. The divine lives within every one of us. Some people just need help unlocking it. Once you understand your own shadow self, you can begin to take steps to say goodbye to remorse, guilt, and shame. Then, own up to living your life with great delight. Listen for Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with host Jim Stacy. For 15 years, Jim has studied the Aramaic language, the non-religious language of Yeshua. And through that language, you can learn how to choose the life you want to live and live above smallness and the victim. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. 
You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the full cup, what it means to understand ourselves as already completely abundant. What we've said so far is that the law of attraction, as we've come to understand it through the seek and the uh, secret and the work of Jerry and Esther Hicks, um, is unfounded. It is not true. What is true, however, is that we are attracted to all those things, places, people, events, and circumstances that will bring us ever closer to the knowledge that we are divine beings. And uh, that truth is evident because the soul is always bringing us to that truth. The soul is always working to get us to the place where we can see who we actually are as divine beings. So um, we've quoted some verses from the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Old Testament. We've quoted some um, poetic quotes from from Rumi. Uh, and I want to give you one from Epicurus now, a man who was not really religious in any frame, but he, uh, but, he, but he had a truth. He said, not what we have, but what we enjoy constitutes our abundance. So some people look at that and they go, well, you know, that means that I'm supposed to live a life of poverty. Well, I don't know where you get that from there, but some people look at it that way. Um, but uh, what he's really saying is that uh, it isn't, our belongings that make us happy. It's our enjoyment of our belongings that make us happy. So we could be filthy rich and enjoy those, the, what, the things that belong to us, uh, and be happy. Or we could uh, be uh, living in a way that other people would consider poor and yet really enjoy the belongings we have and, uh, and, and live, be call that abundance. So it really is all about how we live into our realities and we can do that through the power of the soul through the power of the authentic self Um, another one by Rumi says when you feel peaceful joy that's when you're near the truth I really like that because what he's saying is that that peaceful joy that can come into our minds sometimes when we meditate or for me when I'm driving down the street or the highway and and I see a beautiful tree or look up at the sky and see amazing clouds um that peaceful joy kind of comes and takes over. And what's happening then is that the soul is revealing truth to you at that moment. The truth is joy. The truth is peace. The truth is not striving to think always positive thoughts and uh, always have positive emotions. The truth is not working that vision board so you can have what you want in life. That's not the truth. The truth is you already have it all as we've already discovered. So how do we access that? So accessing the soul is what we're talking about. We're not talking about attracting riches or wealth or a job or a relationship or a car or any of those things. We're talking about accessing the soul because it is the soul who will accomplish what it came here to accomplish. So how do you access your own soul? Well, meditation certainly is one way to do that because we're quiet. Uh, that verse in the, in the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Old Testament in Psalms that says, Cease striving to know that I am God. Um, that verse, as I said earlier, means, in my opinion, it means 
cease striving to know that you're a divine being. So when we cease striving through meditation, the soul begins to reveal itself. In regardless of the kind of meditation, whether it's transcendental meditation, vipassana meditation, mindfulness meditation, whatever it is that we're doing, um, we still get a real solid connection to the soul through that. And some people do it not by literally sitting down or laying down to meditate, but by walking through the day in gratitude. Um, that's a way of meditating as well, unless it's your identity that's pushing you to be grateful so that you can have what you want in life. I hear people say that, well, I'm going to spend my time being grateful so that the universe will give me what I want. And I'm like, well, that's not gratitude. <laughs> that's, that's a bargain. That's you trying to get the universe to get you to... Get get you to get you to get the universe to cave to you to your desires. So uh, gratitude is real gratitude. It's like wow, this is really cool. Like when I'm driving down the highway and I look up and see this amazing cloud formation, and I'm just like filled with the wonder of 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 that amazing thing that I'm, I feel one with it. I feel united with that cloud in the sky, and I feel like the sky is just so immense and demonstrates infinity in the sky the sky you know what the sky never dies trees die animals die or all the vegetation of earth dies but sky it doesn't die it's really an amazing thing we, at night we the the blue disappears because the sun is not shining and we see the stars so there's still a sky and it never dies i think that's fascinating and it, it just uh, is one of those things that I'm always attracted to, perhaps because of its amazing infinitude. But regardless, when I'm looking at that, that joy, that peaceful joy comes up inside of me, and I'm very grateful for that moment of oneness with the sky. That is when I'm closest to truth. The truth is my oneness. The truth is my access to the soul that just happened at that moment. So being in nature, meditating, um, using uh, a contemplative prayer, contemplating various uh, sacred texts of various religions, um, uh, contemplating some of the uh, works of uh, modern-day teachers that aren't necessarily religious but are spiritual. Um, just sitting with a thought, a particular thought, and letting it kind of roll through your head and do what it does opens doors inside of us. And that's what we want to do. We want to open the doors inside of us to the soul so that, so that what's, what comes out is our awareness of a soul. Whereas when we live solely identified with, I've, I've got this job to do and I've got this income to make and I've got to do this and this and this and this, or I, I feel guilty and responsible for other people, or I'm, you know, I, I, life is just so hard for me and you just don't understand how hard it is and I'm just, I just can't do anything and it's awful, terrible. Those are identities. Those are identities. But when we, when we can actually feel this peaceful joy that comes from just being present with our souls, then we know the truth that we already have everything. And that is our abundance. That is our abundance. So I don't have, I'm not a Hollywood movie star. I don't have the riches of a Hollywood movie star. Sometimes I, I, I even uh, struggle financially. Uh, so what does that mean? Does that mean I'm not a very good person? Does that mean that the universe hasn't blessed me? What does that mean? 
uh, what it means is that I, I forget sometimes that my cup is already completely full. And so, like I said, the teacher teaches what she most needs to learn. And, and so, but I can recognize that now. And I can look at that and see the truth in it. And then I feel that peaceful joy come up. But I am also one of those prophets who knows how to accept the agony and trust it. So when I go through a period where I don't understand what's going on, in any way, let's say it's financial. I don't understand what's going on with this period in my life, but I can accept it and trust it because I know that the water has never feared the fire. And I am water. I can walk through this fire without being burned because I'm water. So uh, what I will gain, what I will get from it is what I trust. I trust now, after having had many life experiences where this has happened, that when uh, life becomes difficult, I um, am going to grow. I'm going to expand. I'm going to become a deeper person, more in touch with my own soul. I'm going to become more authentic as a result of that because I am attracted to all of those things, places, people, circumstances, and events that are going to bring me closer and closer to knowing who I am as a divine being. That's what I'm going to be do. And that's what we're all doing. So when, when we have these little open spaces in our lives, we've been attracted to something that has brought us to that open space. And that is the true law of attraction. Because it opens us to an awareness of who we are as soul. And once we become aware of soul, then we begin to feel and know that everything that we need is already taken care of. Cease striving to know that I am a divine being. So I can cease striving also by just going to the lake and sticking my feet in the water. I can cease striving by playing some beautiful music while I'm driving the car. I can cease striving by uh, getting out in nature. I can cease striving by taking a walk. I can cease striving sometimes when I'm exercising. I can, I can be uh, working my body, and each movement of my body f- makes me feel more alive and more open to what's really going on inside of me. It can be a form of meditation. People do that all the time through yoga. We can also do it through other forms of exercise that isn't just stretching like yoga does. Um, uh, but yoga is also another method. So there's a lot of methods we can use to uh, actually help us to wake up and, and, and become aware of who we are as a divine being. That waking up process is a slow, steady process that happens throughout a lifetime. And my hope is that just before I die, I'm going to go, okay, now I'm fully awake. <laughs> but until then, I'm still waking up. It's a long process. Uh, but my soul will carry me what I'm, where, I would spo- where I'm supposed to go, where I'm supposed to get to in this life. And will I have another life after this one? I don't know. Uh, but I do know that my soul is real and rich. And how I know it is because I've experienced it. Experience is the greatest profound teacher. Science itself is made out of experience. The, 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 we don't have any experiment, any, any um, facts that didn't come from somebody playing around with experience until they found something that was true. And that, that's science. People play around with experience until they find something that's true. 
And that's our, that can be our lives as human beings, too. We can play around with experience until we find something that's true. So I would encourage you to do that, to take the risk to just kind of play with what you think reality really is and see if it matches what you think is true. See if it brings you to that peaceful joy that constitutes your abundance. See if, um, see if you can come to that peaceful place where you are near the truth. And when you walk through periods of anxiety and where there's there's shadows everywhere and you can't seem to see where you're going and it just seems like everything is all topsy-turvy and the things that you counted on before are just not there anymore and you seem to be walking on water, well, just know that you are the water and that you can accept this agony and trust it because the water has never feared the fire. But what people from the Law of Attraction, people that uh, teach the Law of Attraction often tell us is they say that when you're troubled, well, that means you're not doing the Law of Attraction right. Well, that's not what Rumi says. That's not what the Buddha says. That's not what uh, the Tanakh says. It's not what the Christian Bible says. The Christian Bible says uh, in the New Testament, Jesus says it rains on the good and the good and the bad alike. So, you know, this life where lots of people are living out of an identity has an energy of identity. And they aren't living into the soul, and we aren't living into the soul all the time. And so we've created a bunch of stuff that creates some agony for us to walk through and trust. But we can trust it because the soul is still very active in every bit of that. The soul, the soul is still doing what it came here to do regardless of the external circumstances. It is using those external circumstances to bring us to further, deeper awareness of who we are as divine beings. And so that is, is what we can take with us. We can trust that uh, throughout, regardless of our ag- whatever agony we happen to be going through. And even when there's financial problems, even when there's times when, we, when the lights go off with regard to finances, and we just are like, well, okay, here I am drowning. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Well, that's a time when we can trust the agony to bring us to a new place of soul, to a deeper place of understanding who we are as soul. So when those things happen, if we can just go say what Rumi said, the prophets accept all agony and trust it, for the water has never feared the fire. When they're not happening, it's, and, 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 and we can do that without any criticism of self. We can do that without saying, you know, I must be doing it wrong. I must be not doing the law of attraction right. I must be doing something wrong, or these bad things wouldn't be happening to me. When we do that, when we judge ourselves that way, we just dig ourselves further into the, the agony. But even that may be a part of the process that we can come to trust as we come to understand who we are on a deeper level. So... We can trust the process entirely. It's a river that will carry us where it's going to go because the soul is really in charge. The identity feels like it's in charge, but it's really the soul that's in charge. So when we're, when we're working with this whole idea of abundance and what we can have, what we can know is that the, our cup is always full, that everything is already ours, that we are already one with everything. We just need to get in touch with the soul to be able to access that oneness. That's it. We can walk in the soul on a daily basis. So that's all we have for today. We're going to be back again next week. 
And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.